we know specifically in that future talent space, all the people that apply to us come from great unis, come from great colleges, have good degrees, have good backgrounds. And actually, it's then about measuring potential and it's measuring other aspects that you can't necessarily gain from a straightforward interview that doesn't provide you the metrics. And by bringing in automation with a, a level of AI and, and some some decision process, we can start comparing apples to apples and it, it brings everyone to the same level and a system can start not making those decisions, but prompting a recruiter where they need to. Be. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Talent Experience Live. I am your host, Devin Foster. Today we are talking about automation, humanizing automation, the art of personalized talent experiences. Um, and I think that this is very, very, very important because as we enter this, this new age of AI and automation, uh, we start to get the feeling that we're constantly talking to robots. I know I've gotten that from time to time on e-commerce sites when I'm, you know, trying to get some some help from, you know, maybe one of my Apple products or something, you know, different along those lines. So how do you make it more human? Uh, and today we are joined by a very special guest from PMI or Philip Morris International, Rob Cohen, to talk about it a little bit more. He is the manager and process owner of Talent Acquisition, and he's going to talk about us how they've implemented talent automation uh, as a multifaceted solution uh, to meet their ever-growing demand for retention as well as new candidates. So without any further hesitation, let's bring Rob onto the program. Rob, how are you? Very well, thanks, Devin. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for joining. I know it is getting a little bit past, uh, you know, normal business hours uh, where you're you're located right now. So I want to thank you for taking the time. Um, but Pleasure. it's tradition uh, around these parts uh, that we always start things off with an icebreaker. So we're going to get into the the meat and potatoes around talent automation. Uh, however, today at my daughter's school was uh, wear your favorite sports team to school. So I decked her out in New York Jets gear. So I want to ask you and the audience at home, do you have a favorite sport team? And, and if so, who is it? So I, I've got no hiding, right? I'm, I'm sat in front of one of my idols shirts. Uh, I'm a crazy Arsenal fan. And that's that's soccer for, for those guys that, that call it that. Um, I eat, drink, sleep Arsenal. I've traveled around the world. Um, and I'm, my office is adorned with with signed worn shirts from idols. So behind me is is the great Robert Perez, um, and I have Patrick Vieira and and Zidane and various other sporting memorabilia around my office. I I love that, and I will let my first big kid job out of out of university or college. I remember walking into the hiring manager's room at, or office, I should say, and he had. Uh, Cleveland Browns memorabilia all over the office. And for me, I was like, this is awesome. I can talk to him about personal things, right? I can talk to him about the Browns and, and what they're doing. And for you, I imagine it's the same way when you hop on a, a Zoom call with a colleague or you know Absolutely. somebody you may be working with. It, it's, it, it either right piques interest in a good way and sometimes not in a great way. I guess if if I'm interviewing, they come down. But yeah, it's it's good to have them up behind me. 
Yes, yes, it is. Um, and that way, there, there, your colors don't run right. Everyone knows you are an Arsenal fan through and through, Absolutely. through the good times and the bad. And it's, it seems like they're having some good times with with Kai Havertz and gang right now. So enjoy it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> of course. Now, um, I, another question that I want to ask you is: I always find it fascinating to hear people's journey of how they got into you know, talent acquisition or even the HR space because oftentimes. I don't think most people, you know, grow up wanting to be in that. So how did you end up in this space and how did it become something you're so passionate about? So this is really interesting. I don't think there is a typical route into the role I do. I don't think there's a typical person that that does the role I do. Um, I come from a deeply technical background. I'm a computer scientist by by education and, and degree and ended up finding myself in, in at Vodafone, a large telco in, in the UK and in, in Europe and ended up finding this role which was about bringing in a candidate relationship management tool into to Vodafone's resourcing team and I fell in love with this space and I found this space and the last 12 years I, I've 13 even more years I've, I've managed to carve out a bit of a career as a go-between between between the technology side of things. I'm very happy and and I've been on calls today about integrations and changing mapping tables and talking about middleware right the way through to to business strategy and how we do things and how we should be doing things, either in order to remain legal and regulatory, but also to, to have a great experience for a candidate or for a hiring manager or enabling that recruiter to actually recruit and rather than doing mouse clicks and various other things. So I guess, it's it's the passion for the technology that that works well with with my want for a better experience for all those personas. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you you raise an excellent point there. I think technology is fantastic as long as it's working, right? And that's that's where you have your hand in it, and in, in making sure that those integrations and that that middleware um, is is functioning properly. Because there's there's no worse experience than when you don't have cell service, right? And you're trying to watch an Arsenal game or a Jets game. And in, in, in my case, I can't fix that. That's that's the telecommunications. That might be a, a Vodafone thing, you know, over um, uh, across the pond. But I. I want to ask you from you know your your tenure. I, I come from a recruitment background as well. I, I did some uh, recruiting in an agency setting as well as in a corporate recruiting setting. And when I did it, it was all very manual. I imagine you know now I, I I don't have my hand in the talent acquisition space, but automation has become something that is no longer a nice to have. It is a need to have. Um, how have you and and the team there at PMI embraced talent automation uh, going beyond? you know, kind of the traditional application process and recruitment. So I'd love to tell you that it was a fully automated process and candidate applies and gets offered a job without human contact. Unfortunately, that that's definitely not where we're at. Uh, that's for a number of reasons. A, because at the moment, it simply wouldn't work like that. Um, and we have legal and regulatory responsibility to, to treat everyone with respect. Um, we do have a lot of automations. My recruiters will probably say that actually it's very manual and it's it's an over, overall hard process. Within our, our platform at the moment and the various things we're moving towards and, and implementing as we go, uh, more and more is about automation. For me, it's about those mundane tasks and taking away things that actually a system can calculate. For example, once a system has an assessment score in, I know that it can do multiple things based on that, that piece of data or knowing 
when a start date is, we can start using that to backdate information and send candidates relevant information and get a hiring manager to, to say, reach out to their new joiner because they're starting in two weeks time. And it's those sorts of kind of gentle nudges and things that is kind of where automation started. And then you've got the other extreme, which is zero human interaction to an extent or to a large extent particularly in our, our volume and in our early career space where actually we have masses of uh, applications that we simply it would be ineffective and inefficient for a recruiter to have to go through every single profile and I, i've spoken about this at length on on various different things we know specifically in that future talent space all the people that apply to us come from great unis come from great colleges have good degrees have good backgrounds and actually it's it's then about measuring potential and it's measuring other aspects that you can't necessarily gain from a straightforward interview that doesn't provide you the metrics and by bringing in automation with a level of AI and, and some some decision process, we can start comparing apples to apples and it, it brings everyone to the same level and a system can start not making those decisions, but prompting a recruiter where they need to look. And I, it levels the playing field, right? For for those, those that mass amount of candidates that are coming in, because I, I can tell you firsthand, I, I, I liken it to reading a book, right? Where you may sit down in the, the, or the early evening, you start to read, you're flipping through the pages. And then by the time you get a little exhausted, you may forget the, the second you know chapter that you read or whatever it may be. And when you compare that to candidates or, or talent applications, if you're filtering through resumes all day, um, it, the first one that you see is is you may retain a little bit more or be uh, have a different judgment of who that candidate is than than the last person especially if you're like let's say for instance a Tottenham fan you see someone did an internship at at Arsenal you you may have some bias there that that creeps in so leveling the the playing field i think is is super important uh, when it comes to that automation process you mentioned one thing uh um, there specific about uh, providing information that is relevant to the candidate. When you say that, are you mentioning or implying kind of personalized messages where it's unique to the position that they applied for? Or is it taking it a little bit of a, a step further and leveraging that AI where it is um, you know, using more information that, that you may have about them, of course, within the, the legal constraints of GDPR? So I, I can't take credit for the strategy on this. We have an assessments team that sit behind me who are absolutely incredible. Um, there's more PhDs there than I've ever come across. And they're a great team of, of, of people that I work with. And one of their philosophies that's really stuck with me and is key to everything we do, particularly in that assessment space. So whether it's a behavioral assessment, an OPQ or something like that, um, obviously we get the results. As PMI, we're the ones that are paid for the candidate to go and do that but we actually provide candidate reports. So if we expect a candidate to do something for us, so whether that's a video interview or, or an OPQ and, and PMI gets this very detailed report of, of what the potentials are, we have another version of that that's candidate friendly and it uses their language, it doesn't use PMI language. And that goes out to every candidate, whether they're successful or unsuccessful. Um, and that for me is really key because we're expecting a candidate to take 45 minutes, an hour of their time to go through these, these things with us. And maybe they weren't successful for PMI, but you know what? Here's a feedback report that, that goes into a lot more detail than any recruiter is going to go in 
when they call you to say, we're really sorry, you haven't got the job on, on this occasion. And that's really quite a big difference. And, and, and it is personalized because it's unique to that, that candidate. It's not generic. You could have done X, Y, Z, you were lacking experience or whatever. It gives places that the candidate has room to improve. And that personalization, that level of personalization, I don't see anyone else going anywhere near that. That's, alongside, that, oh, you continue, continue. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, and alongside the messaging, we try and use a real, I don't want to say overly friendly, but we don't use corporate speak in, in our, our comms. Our tone of voice is, is friendly, but formal. Um, and it's nice. And I, I think that resonates with the candidates as well. That has to enhance the cabinet, the candidate experience as a whole, I would imagine. Um, I, I think back to, again, my recruitment days and uh, the best relationships that I built with candidates were when I was able to provide feedback to them, right? Where it, it was a difficult conversation, but they were lacking in an area on their resume. Of course, I'm dealing with a, a much smaller sample size than you are at, at PMI, where you're dealing with thousands and thousands of candidates. I have to ask you, when that report gets sent out, have you heard positive um, responses from candidates that say, hey, I understand I didn't get the role or I wasn't the right fit, but this is the this is great information that I can leverage to find that next job. Have you heard things like that throughout so, the process? In, in fairness, not in verbiage and, and words. Candidates aren't reaching out saying, thanks for rejecting me, but it was a great experience. <laughs> we do, however, we survey everyone. We survey you whether you're successful and unsuccessful. We take MPS measures. And on the whole, since those sorts of things have been introduced, our MPS has gone up. Okay. No, that that's fantastic, and I can I can understand that now. Uh, thinking back through my question, it, it would make sense why somebody wouldn't be like, "Thanks so much for not giving me." And I'm sure it happens, but I I don't store it in a system anyway. <laughs> um, but I I we're talking about automation, and I know a, a big element of of PMI is also keeping that that human element a part of the the digital transformation. Why is it so important to have a healthy balance of AI and automation combined with the human aspect specific to, to PMI. And I think I want to park AI for a little bit because there's a that's lot fine. of clever stuff you can do with automation that's that's human intelligence rather than than auto uh, automatic intelligence. Um, and, and I think we do some things quite effectively. So there's certain things and we have rules and engines built into to our platform that says, for example, rejection emails don't get sent on a Friday and don't get sent on a weekend. So a recruiter can reject someone on, on a Friday evening. That's not going to ruin that candidate's weekend. It will go out on the Monday and it will go out at the same time as they rejected them on the Friday so that the time zone and things is, is retained. And those sorts of decisions, and it's not just about email timing, but we we put some some kind of randomness into the way we send either notifications or requests uh, to give it more of a human feel. And th that again is intentional. I don't want, we know that groups of students sit together and apply for the same jobs at the same time, probably in their university's computer lab somewhere. Um, they're all gonna receive maybe the same email. Maybe it's it, one's receiving a pleasant email, one's receiving a, a displacement email. And it, it's at a, not a random interval, but it's based on the time and the time zone that they've they've done it. They even if you're sat in the same room, you will not get the same emails at the same time. And that again, if they're sat there together and one's got through and one hasn't, um, 
they're not going to know that it was kind of it was done automatically behind the scenes that's that's one. i wish nike would do the same thing when i'm you know trying to get sneakers where they randomize it because there's nothing worse than sitting in a room and, and sitting with your buddies and they say oh i got the sneakers and then you look at your email you say oh i i didn't and now you're you're kind of down in the dumps a little different stakes are a little bit higher for for jobs but i love that idea of understanding where the the candidates are right and where they're at professionally where they may be applying to jobs you know in a group um group work i think is is fantastic especially when folks are out on the job search you can have your resume looked at by somebody um you can see you know what the application processes are and, and bounce ideas you mentioned timing there a couple times specific to the emails. I want to ask you when it comes to the timeline of an application process or the hiring process, what does that look like for you? Because I think it varies from organization to organization on what the ideal timeline is of, Hey, I clicked apply to, Hey, I get this, this email accepting me to the next step in the process or, or perhaps rejecting. So I'd, I'd love to tell you our time to offer and our time to hire is like 25 days. It, it definitely isn't. And, and we have prolonged time to offer and prolonged time to hire. And, and that's part of the reason we're working with folks like yourselves to, to try and improve that and bring those down substantially. Um, a lot of our focus is on quality of hire and actually time to hire becomes a secondary measure. I want to know, first of all, how, how good that person is when they start. So let's compare their annual review to to where we said they might end up uh, after one year in process or are, even are they still employed after one year so pmi historically a long time ago pre-averture uh, had severe or had issues with retention and people leaving roles within the first six months so a lot of that was flipped and it, it wasn't necessarily about getting people into the business quickly but it's about getting quality people into the business at the right time yeah, I, it, the metrics that are, are looked at oftentimes paint paint the wrong story, right? If you look at, you know, a, a time to apply, but it's under 60 seconds, however, you're not hiring as many people, that may be because you're attracting, you know, the, the wrong candidate for that. And it, I'm sure, is based on role-specific things. When you mentioned looking at uh, tenure, uh, that's the right things that you want to look at. It may take weeks on end to you know get someone hired and, and in the door I'll, I'll tell you about my story i left phenom um a year and a half ago and it was easier for me to to get hired i think i was hired within two weeks when i was originally hired versus when i was trying to come back to the company because you know we had to get you know all Price of our i's dotted our t's crossed and everything in order um but it was also because I was in a different position and we had to, to iron that out. So it, it makes sense to me from, from that perspective. Um, I, I want to ask you this. You mentioned the, the automation process. Um, at the top of the program, you also mentioned that there isn't a, a time where it's, it's fully automated. So in your ideal scenario, when does the human element come into the, the process? Fair. So let, let's be clear, no system is is hiring and no system at PMI is, uh, is removing or rejecting a candidate from the flow. That is done by a human being and, and that's not a rule. I, I The system and the configuration that I have in place will not allow for that. Mm -hmm. What we do and, and my responsibility, and it leads to the previous question also, is my responsibility is about removing friction, right? So when we talk about 
time to hire and time to offer actually my impact can be on how easy was it for that candidate to apply how easy was it for that candidate to select an interview time and and go through those processes so i can have quite a deep impact on those specific parts of the process if we look at and, and i'm going to use early careers as as the example here because this is kind of our forefront of of where we have the most automation we have a, a huge graduate program, um, an internship program called Encompass. And again, it's, it's a separated name and a separate brand because of the industry that I work in. But what we do is, is when an Encompass program opens, it attracts huge volumes. And I, I can open a role in Asia and have 3000 applications in the first 24 hours. Um, what we'll do is, we put everyone through screening questions well screening questions have been around for a hundred years they'll always be around and i don't think we'll ever get get away from them but actually we know they don't really carve out the the, the numbers it's very easy to see what we're looking for it's it's questions about maybe do you have a driving license are you able to start on september the first and things like that where it's very clear what what we're looking for as an organization um, and that screens out very little people. But what we do have from that is as part of the application, they've uploaded their resume, they've completed their work experience and education history, et cetera, on the, the application form. We immediately send everyone to a video interview. And those are seven questions. And the team I spoke about earlier, the, the, the assessments team have come up with these seven questions that are really quite powerful questions to assess potential. And yes, it's an asynchronous video interview. And we know, I can tell you from reading hours on Reddit, how much candidates absolutely hate these things. But I, I'm also a believer that if, if you're looking for a job, there's a certain number of hoops you need to jump through. And actually, we need to put some of these man-made obstacles in place, because otherwise those numbers, that, that 3,000 would be 10,000. And I need, I need to have willing candidates uh, they'll answer those seven questions those seven questions are never seen by a recruiter they're never i've never seen the video and the, the tool we use parses what that candidate says into text and then conducts analysis on the text so i'm removing any sort of bias around gender ethnicity even uh, accents and things are removed because so one of the things is we do it in english and and that makes my life a little bit easier uh, those seven questions are asked in english and answered in english and this text analytics then goes through and and outputs a score and we've trained that model with large volumes of of internal people and external people over over a number of years and months uh, to get what we're looking for as a candidate once that score's returned um, there's one of three things that happens. You go into a bucket that is either highly likely to be successful, likely to be successful, or less likely to be successful. And that language is very deliberate. That's not saying less likely means no, but what we are saying is if you're in that highly likely to be successful, you are automatically progressed to the next stage. The next stage is a behavioral and reasoning and cognitive uh, behavior assessment you're automatically put through to those. If you're in one of the other two categories, you're not dis dispositioned and you're not rejected. You're then reviewed by a human being who's got your interview scores, who's got your resume and got your background, and they can make one of two decisions. They can either progress, and if the progress is, um, if, the, the, if the candidate is being progressed, they'll be sent the, the same tests as the highly likely to be successful, or they'll be dis dispositioned at, at that stage. 
And the same thing then happens again after the behavioral test. You go into one of three buckets. The, autom the, the top ones are automatically being asked to schedule a, an assessment center or schedule their interview. The, the bottom two are then reviewed by a human being who's making the decision. Do I allow them to continue on the happy path or do they, do they get dispositioned at this stage? And that means that if you are a, a good candidate that meets our requirements and is in that highly likely to be successful bucket for both the video and for the behavioral assessments, you can be you can do all of that in th in a three day process without a human ever touching you. I love love that. Uh, the one thing that I want to to a couple points that I want to want to uh, follow up on there is you mentioned no machine is is making a hiring process, and I think that that is the absolute right approach, not just today, but moving forward in the future, especially as we see, I think there's New York City local law 122 yeah. that has now uh, really pushed to the forefront here in the States where uh, organizations are uh, potentially at fault if they're making hiring decisions. So getting out in front of that and saying a human is going to be involved in every single hire, no one will ever be dispositioned by any sort of automation or uh, assessment. I think that's that's wonderful. The other thing is you mentioned the Reddit feedback there about how people don't like video interviews. And I can understand why there may be some negative thoughts to that. But it makes me think of, would you rather sit in front of a camera and answer some questions or go through six, seven, eight rounds of interviews, right? And as long as everyone is getting the, the same treatment and they will be assessed by a human at the end of the day, you mentioned removing the bias, even though you're answering questions to yourself, essentially doing this, uh, you don't have to think about what to wear for that, right? Especially if you're interviewing potentially when you're, you're at university and you may be uh, interviewing for multiple jobs, or you may be looking for your second job where you have to you know, kind of skip out on your lunch break and, and everyone's like, why are you dressed in a suit and tie today? Are you interviewing somewhere? Um, avoiding some of those things. And to your point, I think everyone's nervous in an interview as well. So you don't have to worry about pouring sweat, right? Or, or being a little bit disheveled because no one's going to see the video at the end of the day. It's Absolutely. going to be put into a transcript and you look ex almost identical to everyone else. And then that's assessed by a human being. So I, I love all of that. One other question I want to ask you is, how long did it take you to get to that point, right? Uh, I, I know that there are other folks on the back end working. Uh, oftentimes people think, oh, I'm going to buy technology, flip the switch, and we'll have this up and running tomorrow. So let's be years? clear. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't an overnight. Uh, you can't go to the video interview shop, buy the video interview tool, turn it on, and, and your process is there. It takes a lot, uh, particularly in an organization like PMI that I, we operate in 91 countries and I have to obey legislation everywhere we operate. And, and generally that means falling on the harshest, which is, is normally either Germany or, or South Korea, but there, there's, there's a lot of legislative hurdles we need to get over to, to get into these sorts of things. Um, in terms of time, actually we, we had the video interview product that was being reviewed by recruiters. And actually it's very easy to then turn that on and say, I don't want you to be able to see this anymore. Instead of passing the link back to, to watch the video, just pass me the score and the, the thresholds, are you in the top third or, or not? Um, and we can handle everything else. And, and 
almost any platform that has some sort of basic rules engine is able to say, if this happens, then do this. And, and it's, it's actually configuration that we did ourselves. I, I didn't need to bring contractors in or even go back to, to a vendor to say, make this work. I can say, if this field equals this, so if, if this field is 33% or less, do this. If 66% mm -hmm. or more, do this. Um, and it, it, it's relatively straightforward. It's, it's not difficult config. I think the, the biggest challenge is getting buy-in from, from your legal teams uh, is really interesting. And I, I was fortunate enough a couple of weeks ago to be invited to a whole uh, a law firm that were running uh, a series on AI specifically in HR. Um, and they were the first time I've been in a room of lawyers that said, we want AI and we want things to be done. Uh, generally, there's quite a lot of opposition when you're, you're trying to, to say, and find the legal basis to, to do so. But we have a legitimate interest in securing these people jobs and securing the right people those jobs. And getting across those hurdles to your stakeholders that are saying, look, I'm, I'm not, not taking any jobs. This isn't automation to, to remove people from jobs. This is to allow those recruiters to actually do what they should be. And they're experts in sourcing and they're experts in finding and nurturing the right candidates. They don't need to be CV sifting anymore. Yeah, no, I, I read, I think it was this morning, uh, I was scrolling uh, on my phone as one does. And it was an article, I, I wish I could remember, but it was positions that require empathy and human emotion are going to be the ones that will never be replaced from AI. And there is a reason why recruiters have a challenging job, sourcers have a challenging job. It is because you have to portray empathy, you have to you know, bring that human aspect into it. And it's vital. Um, we talk so much about the similarities between e-commerce and looking for a job and we're making career sites look like Amazon and all. And that's all fantastic. But at the end of the day, it's people's lives. It's the, the folks that you are going to be spending the most time with, uh, more time than your family oftentimes, uh, you know, when, when you're in a, a workplace and ensuring that you have that empathy, you have that emotion with your candidates is vital. And it sounds like PMI is, is, is well on its way to doing that and managing the legal hurdles that come along with that, right. Of, of having the best of both worlds. Um, Rob, I, I want to thank you for, for your time. I also want to ask you one final question. Um, if you had one piece of advice for someone who is looking to automate a bit more of, of the talent process, um, what would that be? Is it a, a place to start? Is it to maintain that human so aspect? I'm, I'm not giving something? one piece. I'm going to give two pieces of advice. Take, take what, as many as you like. One is understand your process. Break your process down and, and determine exactly what it is you're after. If you try and say, I want to automate everything, you'll never get there. So maybe it's and, and we did this more recently. We, we decided that interview scheduling was a really difficult part of our process. It was taking 45 minutes of ping pong with phone calls and emails to schedule an interview. Actually, that's something we can bring efficiency to and a standalone piece. And it's kind of candidate goes in. We know they need an interview. The outcome is that an interview is scheduled. So break your process down and and have a, a vision to, to improve one thing and, and then move on to the next when you're done with that one thing. And then the other piece is, is think about the bigger picture and is what is it that you are trying to achieve through automation? Is it quicker time? Is it better candidate experience? And don't try and chase everything. 
and it kind of I come from a project management background with time quality and cost triangle you're never going to get all three of those so focus on the two things that that you're trying to achieve uh, and generally for for us um, I'm trying to get great candidates in at the right time and that the cost kind of is not irrelevant but it's it's less relevant than than the, the quality yeah and the other thing it's I want to also say is yeah. don't forget about the recruiter because um, the recruiters are absolute knowledge masters of their area and going back to what you said about AI won't replace them because they have empathy and sympathy I actually think it's also because of their knowledge um, don't underestimate the, the power of a recruiter and, and their market knowledge or their functional knowledge it, it's really key to the success of anything we do in this space Absolutely. I mean, they're they're on the the front lines every day. They're they're having the conversations with folks um, of what other you know hot jobs are looking at. What are um, employees of tomorrow looking for? I had a conversation last week um, with Becky Feldman uh, around employee experience, and she's talking about the generational shift of uh, Gen Z. Yes, competition is still very important, but they want truly a, a mesh between work-life balance they're looking to have more freedom you know throughout their day and things like that and recruiters are going to be the first people to to know about it because those are going to be brought up in an interview setting in questions of you know where do you stand socially where where do you do this that the other thing so that's an that's an excellent point um rob i want to thank you this has been, been a, a, one of my favorite conversations glad to hear it it's been great yeah. to <laughs> Absolutely. The next time that I across uh, the pond, I will have to to try and, and pay you a visit and, and we'll speak in person. But in the meantime, I hope uh, you stay happy, you stay healthy, you have a wonderful weekend. Who who do the Gunners play this weekend? I can't even remember. I was more focused on Sevilla the other night. And yeah, I don't know who we're playing this weekend. Champions League is more important. I, I understand. Um, but I wish you the best. And I, I, I hope they went out, even though I am a Chelsea fan. Um, it's It's nice to see. I'm a Jets fan as well, so it's nice to see a different team win a championship every now and again. As long as it's not City. I'm tired of that. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I wish you nothing but the best, and I, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Devin. Bye-bye. We'll see you. That was Rob Cohen of, of PMI talking all about talent automation, keeping the human aspect in the the journey as well as automating some of the processes that, that may be time consuming he touched on scheduling uh there at the end which i think is a huge aspect uh, of that you don't want to play ping pong and, and phone tag back and forth but if you missed any of today's episode you can always catch the replay uh, here on linkedin youtube or facebook uh, and if you give me about an hour or so it'll be up on uh, Spotify and Apple Music as well. But I hope everyone has a happy, safe, and healthy weekend. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Talent Experience Live, of course, is proudly brought to you by the good folks here at Phenom, whose purpose is to help a billion people find the right job. Our intelligent talent experience platform, which helps candidates find the right roles faster. Employees evolve in their current roles and beyond. Recruiters achieve some next level productivity and managers build better teams with data and analytics. And of course, all of this is powered by super slick artificial intelligence and machine learning. So head on over to phenom.com to learn more 